Welcome home, everyone. Thank you for joining in on this episode of Welcome Home with the Katinas. Welcome Home is a podcast where I, your host Josh, sit down for a conversation with different people who I admire and discuss whatever's on their mind, and especially focus on life at home in times like this. Wherever you are and however you're listening, thank you for your support, and once again, welcome home. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Welcome Home with the Katinas. Uh, I hope you guys have been enjoying our guests so far for 2022 with my dad and uh, Uncle Jesse Katina. And we're continuing this week with interviewing our five founders. Uh, this week, I'm, I'm excited to have another uncle here in the studio, also his first time at my house and at this studio. Last time we recorded, we were at my old apartment, so we've upgraded a little bit, and I would just like to welcome and thank you for coming in, my Uncle John Katina. Thanks for being here, Uncle. Thank you, Josh. Uh, I'd say you upgraded quite a bit. <laughs> so, uh, nice pad, man. So proud of you and Alexis and Roscoe. Uh, uh, it's actually my first time meeting Roscoe, so Good to, to meet the uh, addition to your family, man. Good to be here. Yeah, I think I've mentioned maybe on past episodes, recent episodes, but Alexis and I did get a dog back in around Thanksgiving, uh, Roscoe. So he's still a puppy. We're still working on, you know, basic training things, but <laughs> he's been a good addition to the house. And um, yeah, well, again, Uncle, thanks for being here. Uh, do you remember how long has it been since we recorded... I think you were like my second or third guest. I want to say, yeah, I was going to say probably third guest. Okay. I think you had your dad and maybe Eli, and then I was the third guest. And like you said, oh, we were back at your uh, apartment, yeah, your bachelor pad. So it's good, it's good to make the—I'm glad I made the, the, the cut for the second round. Yeah, man. so if you were <laughs> the third guest, I'm pretty sure—I don't—off the top of my head, I think this is going to be episode 28. Okay. So it's been 25 weeks— uh, I was talking with my dad like literally an hour ago. I was I saw him and I was telling him, you know, we were talking about this podcast and one of the things I'm the most proud of is that we haven't missed a week. We've we've released an episode every week for 28 weeks now, so uh, a lot has happened in the last 25 weeks. So I'm yeah. excited to to talk to you and maybe some things we talked about in the in the our first episode will come up again or. Um, I was I was thinking it'd be interesting to think like what the data shows like if you can make it to episode ten and yeah. you'll have longevity. I'm just I don't know, uh, but it seems like over twenty episodes is pretty pretty good without ever missing a week. Yeah. Man. So yeah, I kudos know. to you, Josh. Thank you, Uncle. Great job. Yeah. When, well, when we first started, you know, I was like, oh, we could probably do like two or three episodes a week and. Um, but I'm glad we started hey, with just yeah. one because, you know, it, it's only I only spend an hour or so with with our guests, but um, it's harder than you think to to get someone to come in every week. And so uh, I, I'm I'm proud to say that we've been going 28 weeks strong. And I'm proud of you, and I've only uh, I'll let you know that I think I've only missed maybe two okay. of uh, the, the the guests that you've had, but. It's been great, man. Really interesting conversations, and uh, it's it's all people that that we're associated with somehow. Yep. And so to see how all of the dots connect is is pretty cool. So. Yep. And I'm hoping once we uh, 
finish with the first five weeks of this year to get a, a, a handful of new guests, first time guests on. And I know I already have one episode uh, in the holster that I'm, will probably come out in feb- February nice. sometime. But yeah, definitely some new guests to come on and uh, expand our horizons. Right. But, uh, so getting into the episode, I, I've explained this to my dad and Uncle Jesse that uh, because you guys are second time guests, I kind of wanted to change the format just a little bit. Right. And, but, but I wanted to keep the, the core of the podcast the same. And, uh, so I kept one question and that's the one question that I'll ask you today and it's open-ended so you can answer it however you'd like, but it's simply this, what's going on at home. Ooh, uh, what's going on at home. Um, man, that, that is, it's it's good to keep that open ended because there's always something going on at home, uh, especially when you have um, five five kids, or really six. We uh, we unofficially adopted uh, Tyus Anderson, who's been I think I mentioned him uh, in the first podcast, but yeah, six boys. Um, they are definitely still the joy of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as a single dad, Josh, it's really interesting because you just, um, I've been experiencing as of late, just, um, maybe things they're like first time experiences, um, you know, being a single dad, um, to really three young adult men. And then the others are teenagers. So they're all kind of um, formulating, you know, kind of who they are as, as young men. And, uh, my older two Zion, um, who's got one more year of college and it's hard for me to even believe and, and hear myself say that. Yeah. Uh, and then Jet, who's just pretty much in the workforce right now. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting time in our relationship because I mean, I'll always be their dad, but I feel like I'm more moving into uh, a stage of kind of like just uh, definitely friend, but um, maybe in other aspects, um, a consultant or maybe just lending some advice because they're start they're getting ready to move into an area of life that they've never experienced before. Mm -hmm. Um, which is, you know, adulthood and you're, you kind of know what that's like. You're kind of in that, still that early stage of, of being newly married. Uh, and then I, I've got the younger four at home uh, that live with uh, their mom, Cherie. And so those kind two dynamics are, are different and they keep me it's good because it keeps me on my toes because I can't uh, be for Zion what Blaze needs right. me to be for him. Um, so it's interesting. I think the the longer I, you know, I'm in the the journey of being a dad, the more I realize that man, it's you're learning as you go. Yeah, you really are, and it's good to have examples of other men, other fathers who are much more experienced than I am, um, that I can hopefully, you know, glean from. 
uh, and then a lot from just my own experiences, some of the mistakes that I've made and yeah. you know, how do you correct that along the way. So it's an interesting time. Um, so along with that, um, I'm, I'm dating. I'm dating um, Michelle Aguirre. Is, uh, she's actually from, she was born and raised in the same town I was born in, oh, wow. Oceanside, California. So I didn't that, know that. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, sweet lady, uh, kind of similar story. She she was married before, has four adult kids, and um, she went through divorce just like I did. And so uh, we've got some some commonality and some some life experiences that uh, we both um, went through, and and it makes makes it interesting in the second go around for yeah. for the two of us and so i'm enjoying my uh just this uh relationship with michelle we've been dating for over a year now and uh, we'll see where that where that goes right uh so with your your new relationship with with you call her shelly or michelle yeah or? well i call her shelly okay her, her name is i call her shelly yep. so i'm gonna call Shelley. her shelly there you go uh, <coughs> I, i'm sure the you know, in the early stages, I don't want to say I know what your guys' relationship is, but I'm sure early on, uh, it was established that, you know, your kids are important. I'm, her yes. kids are important to her and yours are to you. How, how has it been, if you're comfortable talking about it, um, like introducing her to your sons? And I'm not sure if you've met her children yet, but just that aspect of introducing a new person yeah to your kids who are I'm, I know are the most important yeah. thing to you well it was nerve-wracking I was really um, just you know it was one of those first things like okay this is because uh, I was literally single for at least three years without mm-hmm. dating and um, j- just the idea of that was just kind of stressful and e- exhausting um, but, but at the same time I knew I didn't want to stay single forever and mm-hmm just was staying open to, to somebody that I felt really connected to. And I feel like Shelly is that person. But when I first brought it up with each of my boys, um, I can't, I can't say that it was like, okay, you know, I, I planned everything out. It was just more of a, a, a feeling in, in my, in my gut, so to speak that, uh, I mean, and we were talking for, I would say several months before I even brought it up to the guys we're still trying to feel each other out it's long distance you know um but when i i knew that there the the relationship was taking a turn for uh, and was becoming more serious i just felt like it was important for me to um share with with each of the boys and there there definitely is some some awkward yeah. maybe tension there but i think for the most part, I think they just wanted to know that I was happy mm-hmm. and um, ready, you know, to move on to that stage. And so they've all met her. I think some of the boys, um, uh, you know, I, I would say, and nobody's ever said, oh, yeah, I'm comfortable or I'm not. But I think maybe some of the boys are more comfortable with the whole sure. idea sure. And, and maybe some not, not so much. But I think we're all just trying to feel what this next phase is when one of their parents is now dating somebody mm-hmm. else it's it's uh it's it's new yeah and for me and 
and meeting her her kids and she's got great kids I think they would probably say the same you know it's just like okay he's kind of the new man in our mom's life and uh but it's been great the the times that I've been around um her kids and uh, she's she's got granddaughters too so she's a young grandmother and so uh it's inter- interesting dynamics yeah. but it's it's been cool so far yeah i would like to ask so i know a few people who uh either they've been through a divorce or they lost a, a spouse um and you know some people they're just single and mm. that's they just kind of that's what they've chosen that's what they think is best for them they don't try and go out and and meet new people and and um but other people they still have that desire to have a connection with someone right. else and i would like to ask you like what is it what value do you see in having a relationship even now after you've uh, been through marriage and divorce and uh, i know you have a big birthday coming up too mm-hmm. and you know at this point in your life like what value do you see in having a relationship with Shelly or just any woman in general yeah um what is the, what is it about that it's a great question josh um i think the value comes from uh comes from maybe what's been modeled for you as you were growing up, be it with your parents or your siblings that get married. Uh, I've got nephews, niece that's getting ready to get married. Um, for me, for me personally, I, I like if when I was going through um, the early parts of my separation and my divorce, I don't know if I shared this um, in the first podcast, but I really was praying and hoping for reconciliation and um, obviously it didn't work out that way. And when I knew that it, that reconciliation was, was, was not in the picture, uh, there was a, there was a period where I was kind of not even sure if I would um, find love or, or be in a relationship again. Um, but I think it was just, a somewhat of a, a prayer issue that I, I just was asking God, you know, a part of me, you know, you, you deal with some loneliness and I didn't know to the extent of what that was until I was divorced. You know, can you imagine like you grow up in a, in a household of, of 12 siblings and yeah. then you have five kids. And mm-hmm. so really your whole life is just surrounded with people Mm. and um so that three or four years of being separated um i I think it was just the way it's where i found um comfort uh and so that's where i'm at you know and i believe that when you when you find someone that you connect with the, the value is even uh richer mm-hmm. and and it's just more valuable when you find somebody that you you connect with and um again being that Michelle uh part of her story she she's been divorced it's uh it's something that we 
can see eye to eye on. And I think we then approach our relationship in a pretty special way because of that. I wanted to ask you that because for me, you know, I, I didn't, when I was a young man, I didn't like have a bunch of girlfriends growing up or, uh, and I was single for basically all of my time in college until the very end when I met Alexis and, you know, I was, it didn't bother me being single. I was comfortable being single and I would say I'm an an introverted person, mm-hmm. which I think you probably yeah. are lean more introverted as well. And I, you know, my roommate, my college roommate, Jackson had, he was dating a girl who's now his wife, Leah, for probably a year and a half before I was dating Alexis. And so uh, he was my closest friend in college. And so I saw him every day and, you know, I love him and Leah together, but for a while, like there wasn't anything about being in a relationship mm. that was really appealing to right. me. And, um, but mm. once I met Alexis and now that we're married, obviously, you know, I would say that it's probably more challenging to be married than it is to be single. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm definitely better for it. Mm. I think, you know, the Bible says it's not good that man should be alone. And, I don't, I don't necessarily think you, the only way you can get you, the only way to not be alone is to be in a relationship. But I do think that marriage and just dating in general, it makes it hard for you. It makes it way harder for you to be selfish. And that's something that, you know, I never thought I was a selfish person, but being married, I realized that selfishness can manifest itself in a lot of different ways. And so I think that while marriage has been, it has stretched me and there's definitely been challenges. I definitely feel like I'm a better man because of it. And so absolutely, I think the value of, of having that kind of relationship is yes, it's, it's for the other person, but also for yourself, it, it stretches you. And, uh, hopefully if the relationship's healthy, it makes you a better version of yourself. Man, you know, this is such an interesting um, discussion. So when, as a, an older adult uh, male in the Katina family, the extended family, of, mainly of us here in, um, in Tennessee, you know, as you're talking, Josh, it's interesting to me that the young Katina men that'd be like you and Eli and Zion and Jackson and Jet and Dylan and and really all of my sons in Boston for that matter. If you think of it, you guys, neither of you guys have been in a lot of relationships. Mm-hmm. And well, most of you probably didn't really date until end of high school, going into college, like serious, like serious yeah. relationships. And so when I think about that is, you know, you can say, why, I wonder why that is. Well, could it be that maybe it's, it's turned out that way because all of you, for some reason, have a high standard or value on, like, a serious relationship? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I know we've never really talked about it, but each of you are 
I'm 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 full of you know anticipation and just I'm I'm curious to see like what kind of fathers you you will end up being to to the best of my knowledge as if I were to to project towards the future you guys I think you guys have a high standard of what it means to be uh one a husband and and then hopefully someday uh a father but it's just it's kind of interesting that all of you guys yeah. have kind of had the same perspective yeah on on dating yeah i've never i've never noticed that pattern but i guess i can't speak for the rest of them but for myself like you know i had i had one girlfriend before mm-hmm. alexis and you know when i was around the age where obviously i was attracted to girls and there was plenty of girls that i would have dated uh but you know i never really took that st- i didn't i wasn't comfortable taking the step of like really pursuing a relationship with a girl and i think it's because and whether this is right or wrong my my perspective on dating was you date to marry mm-hmm. and you know i think there's healthy things about that and then i also think there's unhealthy pressure that sure. that can put on especially young people but that was the way i saw it i wasn't just dating just to date or right. dating just to have fun and so yeah i didn't i could be attracted to a girl but before i would even think about a relationship i would think well in, is this a kind of girl that i would want to bring into my family and is this the kind of girl that i would want to be a part of her family mm. and yeah that was i don't know if that's what the rest of my cousins think right. like but it's uh the the pool of options gets smaller yeah, when yeah, you yeah, think yeah. about it like that so but i i think i would say that it's it's commendable like especially in this day and age that you know a group of young men kind of have that perspective because i would say the less you put yourself out there the less you're dating the the less heartache you yeah. you experience and there's there's too many and we've heard them all stories of, of heartbreak because and i was young before i was a teenager before and and sometimes you don't you know you're you don't know this we all think we we know what love was when we were, you know, in middle school. Yeah. And let's face it, yeah. middle schoolers don't know what love is. Come on. But um, it's something very it, different. It's, it is different. It's a very intense feeling. It is. So know. I'm just proud of of the you know all of you and even even your girl cousins because it's been I, I just from afar even if I was removed from this family it would be like man this that's a remarkable thing. Uh, and whether or not your parents, we had anything to do with it is not the point. It's, mm-hmm. I think um, sometimes you just, as you you all have, and my prayer has always been for my for my boys that they had their own connection to God and, and a, a, a spiritual sense to know exactly what respect is about and what honoring is about when it comes to, you know, the person of the opposite sex. Yeah. And I've, I've seen that modeled with you and all of your cousins so great job you know when you when you brought this this up i was thinking about my younger who i could i call them my young cousins but it's people like blaze and steel and boston and and riley and mira and Haley. 
Uh, mm. But, you know, in my mind, they're little kids still. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what it was at grandpa's birthday. I saw them in a different light <laughs> because, you know, some of them got up and spoke. And like even Boston, I don't know what. Boston's grown like six inches <laughs> in the last three weeks. I know, and like his voice has changed yeah. and everything. And they're not, they're not they're not little kids anymore. They're young adults, mm-hmm. and that makes me. It's a people talk about it all the time, but it makes me realize. It, it helps me to realize how fast kids change, and how quickly they go through one season into the next, one season into the next, and as a parent. I'm sure it's it flies by even faster for you seeing because like how old is Blaze now? Blaze is fourteen. Fourteen years old. He's a young man now. I think he's as tall as I am. And, uh, but it was not long ago that he was. Well, it was three years ago. He was eleven, and there's a big difference between an eleven-year-old and a fourteen-year-old. Mm-hmm. So true. As a parent, like as your your son's fly through their childhoods and and go from one season to the next to the next how how do you like are you evolving the way that you're parenting them as they're growing up or do you feel like you're always trying to catch up like oh man I'm parenting Blaze like a 12 year old but he's 14 now like what is that like man Josh I think it's all of the above yeah I think it's um it is I'm trying trying to evolve um like you said, I mean, Blaze, who's my youngest, is is a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for four short years, it, they will all be on their own, uh, you know, uh, trying to tackle this thing called life, literally on their own. And so, so it's it's a little bit about me evolving. Uh, but one of the things I've been learning is. Um, and like I'm going to be 50 in, in, in a few weeks. The idea of when I, when I get to, when I arrive to this place where I'm secure with saying, man, I don't know. Like just those three words, mm-hmm. I feel like have really helped um make my relationship with my boys um, not perfect maybe more uh, we f- I feel more connected because they're hearing me say man I I don't know yeah or man that that sucks but we'll, let's we'll try to figure it out mm-hmm. um, I still have a tendency to try to like you know fix it like I did most of uh, the years of them as they were growing up, mm-hmm. you know, as a as a dad, as a parent, man, especially men, we we we, it's so it's natural for us to get in this mode of fix it, fix it. Yeah. You're holding conversation, your your child's trying to ask you a question, you're not even listening to the question, you're just trying to figure out, okay, this is how I'm going to fix it, and and that's okay to an extent, but sometimes you miss really what the situation is about, and so. Um, I feel like uh, as as my boys are getting older, um, when they hear me, you know, the come from a place of of being vulnerable, it does 
it does something pretty amazing to them. Yeah. The other day I was with um, with River Steel and it was right before Christmas in Blaze and we were just hanging out. Um, we were doing a little bit of shopping. Went and got something to eat and just this thought came to my head to ask them this question and the question was how can I be a better dad? Mm. And so we were listening to music. I turned it down. I said, hey, guys, um, real quick, man, I just thought of, uh, of something I want to ask you. And right before I asked that question, you know, we were cutting up and just yeah. having a good time. And then <laughs> I dropped this on them. And so I said, how, how can I be a better dad? And uh, no one really said anything. And I'm driving, so I'm trying to keep my eyes focused on the road, but you can almost feel this, like, where the heck did yeah. that question come from? And so there was nothing said, but it was just kind of silent. And I said, listen, just, you may not have uh, a, a suggestion or an answer to give me, but just ponder that. Because mm -hmm. I, I mean, that's really coming from a sincere place. Mm. And I said, man, if you want to text it to me or call me down the road, so be it. And um, a couple of them have. Mm -hmm. um, but I think even more than whatever their their response was, it was the idea that, man, after we've already had a relationship up to this point in their lives, for them to hear their dad ask them, man, how can I be a better dad is um, was was pretty loud. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I don't know where it'll take them or how it will continue to enhance our relationship. But I would say to any, you know, dad listening um, to this episode, and you're trying to figure out how to connect with your, your kids, especially teenagers, that, you know, from 11 to 18, those years, those are real formidable years yeah. for a young person. I think the more you can be vulnerable with them and let them know that, man, you're not a superhero and you don't know it all mm -hmm. and you can't fix you know, all of their situations. I mean, if you can be there as much as you can, but really let them know, ask, ask them, man, what, what can I do to be better? Yeah. Um, if I talk too much, can you let me know? Or if, if, if you need me to be a little bit more, whatever, animated or anything, man, let's, I, I just want to, as long as I'm a, a a parent figure in your life, I want to. That's that's to, for me for John Katina. That's my most. That's my most um, important role, a role or a calling. Yeah. Um, everything else is just is secondary. Right. Um, so. Yeah, I think. So I think those moments of vulnerability. This is coming from the perspective of a son, because I remember times when I was, you know, a teenager, a young man, and there was those moments of vulnerability that I got from my dad. Not all the time, but sometimes <laughs> I think those moments really paid off for my relationship with my dad later on mm. when I became when I was in college and when I started dating Alexis and I think it's because, you know, I felt safe with my dad 
maybe not as much when I was a 16, 17 year old going through a lot of changes in my life. And, but when I became older that those barriers were already gone with between Mm -hmm. me and my dad. And so I think for some, especially men with their father, when they become, you know, 22, 23, 24, those barriers that are between a father and a son when you're young, a lot of times those are still there. Yeah. And the old, I think the older you get, the harder oh, it becomes it to, to break through those barriers. The easier it is to just kind of not even try to break through them. Um, but when I, because of the, those moments that my dad invested in my brother and I, when we were younger, now that I'm 25 years old, I don't really have to fight that it's hard. A struggle, yeah. Yeah, to get to my dad, That's you good. know. And so I'm thankful for that that my dad was that my dad did that for my brother and I and I know your sons will be too and I'm sure they already are, but I'm glad you brought that up because that's that's exactly the goal, if you will, is just there's gonna be so many other things that complicate their lives as they become fathers and, and, and husbands and so I wanna I, I wanna do whatever I can to to make it easy easier for us to arrive to a place of, of depth. Yeah. And just um you know, again it's it's not about perfection, but it's about man. Vulnerability is, you know, it's a lot of times there's a lot of there's a lot of things that are not attractive. It's it's some some ugly parts of who we are in mm-hmm. our human nature. But the 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 quicker we can uh, you know strip all the others the, the facade the the things that make it awkward and where there's that struggle to come to to just a place of of authenticity just that genuine thing where it's like man this is who I am I'm broken I'm not all together but the quicker we can we can um, arrive to that place, you know, the better we will all be in mm-hmm. our re- in our relationships. And it's it's work to to get there, yeah. but it's it's so worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I totally agree on. Um, I'd like to shift the conversation a little bit. I realized this uh, this weekend that we really haven't talked about it on this podcast, but you guys came out with a new album recently, and uh, I think the creative process of this album was probably different for you guys than any other project you guys have done. Right. It was you guys were the executive producers, and Uncle Yeti was the he produced the mm-hmm. album, which is amazing to me. I'd love to hear because I think we have some people who listen who are aspiring artists and uh, or are just interested in like the creative process. What kind of challenges did you guys face when it came to you know, really being at, on the front lines of creating this album mm. more so than in the past. What what was that whole experience like for you and you guys as a group? Well, first off, I would say I'm so proud of of, of Sam, yeah. uh, Uncle Yeti, for for taking the plunge into trying to figure out how to literally um, be the producer. Um, now we've all been executive producers of many of our other projects, um, but we would lean on other producers mm-hmm. 
to do their thing from creating the tracks to help arranging vocals. Um, vocals is, is, has always come natural for us to, again, and, and Sam, Uncle Yeti's been heavily um, involved in that aspect from the get. Um, but like you said, man, creating, being um, responsible creatively for, for, for the tracks and, and arrangements and the whole nine was uh, something we never did. And yeah. So I think it was, um, you know, and it's interesting because we're all, we're, we're getting older in this. And I would say that most bands and artists who get older, the they start relinquishing everything. Mm. They outsource everything to other producers, you know, writers, this, then, the other. And we're kind of doing the opposite. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, you know, we've always kind of been in the background uh, when it when it came, uh, not necessarily the background, but definitely we weren't taking full responsibility for the creative aspect of, yeah. of uh, our recordings. Um, and now we are, and it's, it's fun. It's it's um, it's it's a little. I mean, uh, Uncle Yeti could speak to this more than I could, but probably nerve wracking because yeah. it's like trying to literally learn technology. Yeah. Um, and you you know what that's that's about. Um, but it's been great, man. Um, I think one of the things that we 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 struggled with quite a bit um, in the early days was figuring out how to put on tape what we did live because mm. i think people fall in love with the katinas fall in love with what we do live yeah and then they hear the cds and i mean they're not they wouldn't say they're disappointed but it's just there's something there's some elements that are missing mm -hmm. and so i feel like now that we are heavily involved in all aspects of of, of creating um the records uh, I think the live and the recording are starting to feel more cohesive. Yeah. They feel more consistent now. Um, so it's fun, man. I think what I would what I would say to um, artists and creative people, I think always be be willing to learn from other people who are uh, ahead in various aspects of the creative. Uh, process but but there's nothing like um just you know owning it from from the first step to to the last step yeah and figuring figuring out the whole process um I, I believe you you'll be more fulfilled because it's just it's something it's like a you're giving birth to something that you created you know yeah. from every every aspect of the process. So yeah. I think that's what we're experiencing right now. And we are, uh, we're, we've been talking, we've had some meetings last week just about trying to pump out music more, you know, uh, more frequently. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where music is at, you know. Uh, gone are the days of, you know, having to market a record for six months. Yeah. That's what we grew up in and yeah. all these huge budgets think because of the the technology and how it's evolved man you're we are now we have a machine we have a process through technology to to go to the consumer mm -hmm. you don't the, the consumer doesn't have to to wait anymore because there's there's i mean with streaming 
the market is oversaturated. So right. you almost got to beat, you got to go, you got to go to them and they really dictate, you know, who they're going to listen to. Or, and so it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind as artists and as creative people, you, you've got to be, um, the speed in which you do things has, has to, you just, it's got to be fast. Yeah. So there's this artist, his name is, his name's Russ. He's a rapper, producer. I'm not, I think he's from like New Jersey or something like that. I'm not a huge fan of his. I don't listen to him a lot, but I do admire him from, he's one of the, he's a guy who he's a hundred percent independent. He makes all his music, his own music. And He's built a massive following over the past five, six years and um, all from just from his own skill set, basically no labels helping him. And he, he did an interview and he talked about. So one of the things he did when he first started was he released a song every week for three years. And the, the interviewer asked him, like, why did you do that? didn't you feel like you were oversaturating the market was um what was the thought process behind that and russ said well i realized that there was a shift in the music industry when it came to time and he said if you hadn't released a song in a month in today's climate it's like you hadn't released a song in a year 20 years ago right. it's the same thing and so he said you know i realized that I need to have stuff because because of how quick people have access to music because of how quick that is music itself is evolving that quickly and so he said my sound can change quickly in a month uh, the same way that it would change in a year That's back then crazy. so he said I realized that early on that I need to be having stuff out every week for three years and I just think it's interesting you guys are recognizing that too that Maybe not every week, but the, it is important to have a steady stream of content. Yeah, well, you just hit it on the nail. Content. Um, I've always heard. I've, I heard this this saying years ago that content is king, mm -hmm. especially in this in this um, market. Uh, I listen, uh, and I think you've you've heard Uncle James talk about Grant Cardone, mm -hmm. and he's he talks about filling up the pipeline, man, with just bombard their faces, their ears with your content. Yeah. Some people kind of get annoyed by that, but you never know. It just takes one, two, maybe 300 people mm -hmm. that love what you're saying. And from a business as aspect, um, that's how you win. You just, you just got to throw things out there. Some of the stuff may, you know, may fall flat on its face, but I think the idea is because there, there's there's only so many lanes, you know, and you've got all these creative people. When when everybody else is sleeping, try to get your stuff out there, because yeah. um, because there's there's uh, there are ears and eyeballs that are always you know with the different time zones, you know the things things are always re re uh, received at some in in some time zone so. Um, don't wait. I mean, I think that's why we, we do a podcast. We do HWTK. Yeah. We're trying to touch people every day of the mm -hmm. week, but I think Friday right now. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> um, we feel like uh, it's, it's one of the things we're learning. And it's been that's kind of been the silver lining 
of the whole lockdown. It forced yeah. us to engage with we are we always had a community, but we weren't engaging mm-hmm. definitely not at the rate that we are now for yeah. the last two years. So it's been a learning process, but it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I uh so I've been trying to teach myself like uh social media marketing and digital marketing. Mm-hmm. And I, I was recently watching this video on YouTube. YouTube's where I learned everything. So this person might know what they're talking about. They might not. But uh, it sound it made sense to me. They were talking about um, Lil Nas X, yeah. who he's a, he's a, a huge pop mm-hmm. artist. He, um, and he's kind of famous for his social media marketing. His Twitter, his Twitter is like a big part of, of him. And they were talking about what Lil Nas understands is that what the statistics show is that for the average uh consumer to say yes to your content you need they need at least seven engagements with you online oh so yeah at least seven to get a yes from on average from people so a lot of times people feel like oh if i put out this video you know i'm gonna get a bunch of engagement a bunch of people are gonna this video is going to change everything yeah. or this podcast or whatever. Right. But what they're saying is it's not really that one. You need six more exactly to start getting yes. At least. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, content is king. I yeah. Think. And in the, what Grant Cardone was saying, he, I think he understands that too, but it's a, it's an interesting world and it's kind of a new world too. Still re- like I think about how quickly the world has changed just for, like every aspect of our lives has changed from uh, what social media can do. And we're only like 10, 15 years in. Wow. And who knows what the next 10, 15, 50, 100 years could do to. Well, and, and the Internet and online engagement, it, it really shrinks the world. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, I was just reading a, a comment, uh, just an amazing you know, people ask us, man, why do you do what you do? I was reading, it was a long um, through, okay, somebody purchased something online through Square, right? Mm-hmm. And Square allows the, the customer to just say, hey, you know, whatever. Yeah. And this person from Cape Town, South Africa, wow. was just um, sharing how our music has just been the bedrock for their family, this, that, and the other. Uh, I guess my point is, you just never know. Like you were saying, you make six, seven engagements online for for things that you believe in, the content that you believe is coming from the depths of your creative soul, and you put it out there. You, you, you don't really think about, okay, where is it going to land? Yeah. But just be, tr- be true, and I'm just I'm talking from an artist's perspective. Be, be true, be authentic, be genuine with whatever that art is that God gave you to put out there. And the rest, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you just be diligent. I, th- I love what you're doing, Josh, with um, learning, researching. I love how you're putting out, making a beat every day. I think that's, that's just brilliant. Thanks. I think it, it, it speaks to your the, the discipline, the belief in your belief in um, your art. And the more things you put out there, you're going to hit on something. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I'm a, I'm a believer in that, whether I like it or not. I mean, there's, a, there's enough of a, a population out there that, that'll rock with you and that'll vibe 
with with what connects with you and so um i i just i'm i'm really i'm i love that even as i'm turning 50 i feel like i'm a I'm learning again. Uncle James and I are taking a, a sales and marketing class right. every Thursday virtually. And um, it's the thing, man, with information, technology, um, if you can always stay open to learning or even the idea that, you know what, I still don't know a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot I don't know. Um, the more you will learn. And when it comes to success or achieving um those things that you aspire in, in your goals, I think that's the way to get there. Yeah. You know, when you were talking about how technology has made the world smaller, it made me think about, so every week when I upload the podcast episode, I kind of, I just briefly take a look at, you know, our analytics and stuff. And one of the things that the platform that I use to release the podcast, one thing that they show me is a map of where our listeners are at. And so I wanted to take a quick moment because we talk a lot about our listeners and and I in my head, I'm thinking of people in America, but I do want to take a, a moment to thank our international listeners. Oh, we have listeners in, I mean, all over the globe, but some of the top countries that come to my mind, we have a, a, a good amount of people who listen from Australia, the Philippines, Romania, South Africa, and then the one that really shocked me was Paraguay. I don't know how you guys have, uh, how we're connecting to them, but if you're that person from Paraguay who, who listens to us, thank you for, for that's amazing, man. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you for your support. (laughs) Well, uncle, we're, uh, we're running out of time here, but I do want to finish on one thing. You're turning 50 next month. You've already said it. And, I knew I'm 25, so you're twice my age, pretty much exactly. And I think I would love to hear your advice from someone who's lived twice as much life as I have. Um, Thinking back to when you were 25, now you're 25 years later coming up on 50. If you could say just to me advice for a 25-year-old, whether it's big or little, on how to approach or what to expect for the next 25 years of my life? I would say to just um, be ever learning. Be, be, be in a place where you're uh, just trying to not just consume information, um, but be be ever learning in the sense that man, you're you stay open to the ideas of other people. You don't have to agree with 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 everyone, but I think even um, when I say that, um, ha- have when you look at people, uh, have look at them with the understanding that in every person there's a good heart, and I say that because that's kind of been the journey I've been on for the last four years um, and I didn't know it until I got with the counselor and I he just kind of helped me just kind of um, uh, he shed light on a lot of things in my life you know from my upbringing things that I didn't deal with but I I became a very critical judgmental person mm. 
And it, um, it was kind of the root issue of that kind of affected a lot of other areas in my life, including my marriage. And so where I'm at now is just like, I feel like I'm in a posture, in a position where I want to just stay open and learn more. Um, when I say learn, just like listen, be a better listener, be a, be more, you know, willing and open to hear people. Whether again, whether you agree with their perspective or not is not the point. I think the the point for me is it helps me to get to a place where um, I can. It, it'll be easier for me to then collaborate with people mm-hmm. and to to you know hopefully network with people, work with people that I probably had, had no idea that I would ever you know put myself in the same vicinity is them but I think when you when when you can be a person that is uh, non-critical um, you'll be better for it in all of your relationships in your marriage mm-hmm. when you become a, a father man be willing to say man what can I learn from my toddler mm-hmm. or what can I learn from you know my six-year-old um, it I, I just I, I feel like that's what I missed out on a lot as a as a young person as a young dad so that's that's where I'm at and yeah. um, I, I hope it it would benefit you or anyone else that's listening mm-hmm. so. thanks uncle well I think this tradition this podcast tradition stemmed from my first episode with uncle Yeti and I've had a few of our guests do it um i've offered them the opportunity to do this but right now i feel like i want to take the chance to do this and it's to leave with an encouraging word and so my encouraging word for you uncle um i just want to thank you for fighting for your family um fighting for your boys and you know it's a it's something that I'm proud of you for and something that I admire you for. And as uh, we're coming up on your 50th birthday, I just want you to know that I love you. And I think that you have lived a life worth admiring. And mm. to the next 50 years, I know you'll do it even more. So happy birthday, Uncle John. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Josh. It means the world. Yeah. Appreciate you. Love you. Love you. To those of you listening, thanks for tuning in. Uh, We'll end this week's show the same way we've been ending it the past few weeks with a track from West Main Music. Uh, Thank you all for listening. We'll be back with more episodes soon. Have a great day.
Yeah.